all right. So uh, we were in the green room, and these guys are like discussing the first scene. I'm like, uh, you guess, guess <laughs> maybe you want to just go on air and do this? So, um, uh, Rob, right away, get, first yeah, comment. Jason, Jason, what cleaning. did you do? What didn't I do? What haven't I done? Is more <laughs> is an easier question to answer. Watch all of the show, apparently. Yeah, Jason. Jason didn't even finish his episode. Yeah, full disclaimer, everybody. Last twenty minutes, I haven't had a chance to finish it yet. So, all right. Well, let's do some house cleaning, Rob. Uh, so tomorrow night. Oh, everybody, hit like, subscribe, please. Especially if this is your first time checking this out. We are the greatest uh, YouTube show on YouTube. I don't understand why nobody else knows but us. That environmentalist um, didn't think so. <laughs> what environmentalist? A guy on YouTube or uh, Twitter that. This is the greatest podcast. Anyway, um, so uh, tomorrow night, Rob and I are uh, doing a pretty off-the-cuff show, but I have about 25 topics I want to address. We'll probably address the Joe and me. Wait, how many topics? I got got 10. Are we doing a 24-hour live stream or something? What are we doing? No, no, no. I'll run through them quick. I got a couple couple of bullet points I'm going to get to. I'm not sending you the list ahead of time. I am uh, just going to wing it. Awesome. And... Great. Oh, lovely. So, um, and then Saturday, Saturday, we have our Resurrection of the Body show. Resurrection of the Body show. Like 5 a.m. 5 5 a.m. Central, 6 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Because Tim Flanders gave us two times. He said 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. And Rob chose 6 a.m. because he's a sadomasochist. So we're doing 6 a.m. for some reason. Called, I don't know. Called penance. We're Catholic. Come on. Yeah, penance. Okay. I wake up 4 a.m. every day. It would have been nice to sleep on Saturday. So um, Robbie is joining us for a change. So, Robbie, have you been watching The Chosen? Um, I've watched a few episodes here and there, but, um, you know, I haven't watched it like, you know, uh, not like, every, not continuously. Yeah, but you watched last, season, you yeah. watched this week's episode, right? Yes. Yeah. The, you, this episode six, right? Yeah, they yeah, do yeah. an so episode said, a week or something like that. Yep. Yeah. So the new okay, season yeah. is what they're doing. This yeah. is just to uh, make sure I don't get. I actually, I actually got to have a chance to, uh, you know, um, spend time with Jonathan, who, who portrays Jesus. Obviously, he and I were oh, uh, speakers at, at a conference and stuff. So uh, I know him a little bit. You know, we got we got to spend a weekend together and uh, talk and eat dinner and stuff. Which conference? So, uh, uh, this was a young Catholic professionals national conference they had a couple years back okay uh how was he in person nice oh man the dude is is legit um he's he's an awesome guy man um we we uh we had a good time uh he's he's very uh um i would say you know the brother carries around a relic of of saint padre pio okay so i mean he's like you know a hardcore catholic you know his faith is 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 legit and you know that I came away, you know, from him as a as a man that that is after the heart of God, and he really wants to, you know, th- this role that he's portraying, he really wants to do the the best that that he can. I'm so, I'm uh, so glad you're saying I this mean, because I think Rob has this uh, he has this opinion of Jonathan Rumi, but I like pessimistic. Him. Yeah, Rob's uh, a, little, a little pessimistic. Okay, it's good when, so, when someone appears on camera with Jim Martin, yeah, I get a little iffy about it. Okay, yeah, I got you. Uh, Enoch is performing at this year's Young Catholic Professional National Conference in Texas. So, oh, that's well, dope. when uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I was gonna say real quick. That. Um, <laughs> Jennifer was actually uh, we we was bouncing around the idea of having me uh, interview you at the conference. <laughs> That's a good idea. Get to know Enoch. Get to know yeah, Enoch. Show. <laughs> like it. Yeah. I'm gonna have to hear yeah, Enoch. If you, that, that if you tell me when those dates are, we'll pump that out for you, man. We want to try and get as many people there as possible. That'd be pretty cool. So, um, all right, before we even get into the scene by scene, what did uh, what did you think of this week's episode, Rob? Oh, you, There's Rob, two of us. my co host, Rob. Um, the, the first scene was the best scene. Uh, after okay, that, wait, wait, real quick, I'm just gonna let everybody know I'm gonna be itchy and and my nose will be stuffy because this stupid cat is downstairs. <laughs> <sighs> And I'm and I'm allergic to her. Okay, I'm sorry. So you thought the so first overall, scene was the best. The first scene was good, and then it went downhill from there for me. Um, <laughs> one thing one thing I'm noticing as I'm watching more more of these shows and like um, taking notes and doing these reviews is that the show is making me use their stupid nicknames for the apostles. Like Z? when I'm when, yeah when I'm writing a note, I write Z initially, or I write <laughs> uh, you know Big James or Little James, and it's like. No, these these are the apostles. You know that Saint Simon the Zealot. It's Saint James the Greater, Saint James the Lesser, and I just think it's very unfitting and rather irreverent. And I hate that it's. You sound rigid. Uh, affecting yeah, not just rigid. rigid. You're, you're nerdy. I think that you think that the saints were not people. I think you think the saints were made perfect from heaven, dropped in our lap, and you just think they came out of their mother's wombs perfect. I think they're the 12 men chosen by the king of the universe to start his church, and I think I should treat them with a little more respect than some. I think they were flawed men. This is is before they even received the Holy Spirit at this point. So I'm just saying, lighten up. I'm just saying Z is a yeah, Z's a well, Z's for zealot. Come on. So yeah, um, English. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> Jason, what were you, what were your initial thoughts of the episode? You know, the part that you watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole what, what was this a seventy minute episode? So the first what <laughs> fifty minutes. Um, overall, I thought it was it was pretty good. I like Rob. I I thought the first scene was kind of intriguing because it, it it reminded me of. Uh, in Matthew where Matthew writes about Pilate's wife having a dream. Um, and then <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I mean, overall, I, I just, I thought it was just a normal episode. They had not, yeah. nothing great in it. Nothing that really irritated me for the most part. I mean, I, all right, but you didn't we'll get into the episode. So yeah. So yeah. Um, Rob, what about you right off the bat? Uh, right off the bat? Um, I give it like a six and a half, maybe seven out of 10. Uh, I appreciate the familiarity that Jesus has with the people. Um, uh, you know, what I, I think, you know, I lean with Rob is that, you know, I, I grew up with the uh, Robert Powell portrayal of Jesus uh, of Nazareth. That, now, you know, that wait, before you continue, before. you and I are the okay. only ones that grew up with that portrayal of him. Okay. These two idiots haven't oh. watched it. And I've been telling them <laughs> they need to watch it because I yeah, love I gotta watch that, that portrayal. It's like six hours. Yes. I love I, Robert Powell. It's something about him that just nails both the human and the divine. And he, Oh my gosh, man. I'm telling you guys, you need to watch it. Yeah. I I will not watch it now since you recommended it. (laughs) You got it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you're giving it a six. I just don't like that. Yeah. It's like, we're we're going to get into, 
Yeah, we're going to get into scene by scene, and we'll go we'll go through like if things were cringy, things like that. Now, right off the bat, Rob was saying like with the nicknames and stuff. What I do like about what they've been doing is they're giving the characters like Veronica, that is Veronica from Catholic tradition, right? So they're using Eusebius's church history is what they're doing because I looked on IMDb and though they didn't say her name this episode, her name is Claudia, Pilate's wife. And Claudia is not correct. No, it's her name is, that is her name. Her name is Claudia uh, Procula or Procia. True. True, yeah. Right? Yeah, you're right, yeah. So they're giving her the first name. We, we would call her St. Procia or St. Procula. But- Procula, yeah. And, Procula. You're say- and you're saying this about Eusebius and everything because I think I mentioned to y'all last night, if I remember correctly, Scripture doesn't list Pilate's wife's name, but I guess from Correct. Catholic tradition, that's how we've yeah. got her name, right? Yeah, yeah. we got Veronica yeah. from, from Eusebius, and now we got this. Now, um, okay, so let's – now, all right. So that was that's my first thing. The second thing is uh, Rob's been kind of like sounding off about Jonathan Rumi uh, having like not a little bit him too- personally. How they're having him portray? They're, they're right. They're, he's not the writer. He's just following a script. And what I would say is, uh, even with the Robert Powell version, you have to be careful whenever you fictionalize Jesus, right? Because what will end up happening is, especially people who've never. Uh, who don't have a prayer life, who don't know the scriptures, somebody that's just going into a show like this, like they'll develop a personal relationship with Jonathan Rumi. Like you have to be careful of that. I mean, that's yeah. not, you know, you're, 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 this is, this is now a character you're, you're envisioning in your head. Now, now the Robert Powell version that uh, Robbie and I have seen, I'm telling you guys, you should, it's, it, even though it's from the seventies, he does a phenomenal job. Like he's just, he's very serious. He's not, uh, uh, he's not like so whimsical and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, what's like the word I used last time? Yes, yeah. Right. But that's not that crazy to think that I have a personal relationship with Jim Caviezel, right? Like, <laughs> like I mentioned Jim Caviezel as Jesus sometimes. It's like, he did such a great job at it. So let's get into yeah. scene one. Scene one is Pilate's wife have having the dream and, my initial thought of this was this was very reminiscent of the passion. Yeah. Like the smokiness, the snake. Um, the thing I'm not crazy about is in the garden of Gethsemane. Cause so, so she has a dream of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. The thing I'm not crazy about is it wasn't just Peter, James and uh, John in the garden. There were other apostles in there and I'm pretty sure. Well, it, but well, he brings Peter, James and John yeah. closer, Further. closer. They're yeah. deeper in basically. Oh, but they're all, uh, they're all, they're all along in Gethsemane with him though. Mm-hmm. I yeah, don't, but like nine of them are at the yeah. outskirts and then the, yeah. the three are much closer to him. Yeah. Okay. Those are the ones team. that he, those are the ones that he comes up to and says, can you not wait one hour while I right. pray or, or have rewards? Yep. Yeah. It's the three that he brought in. Yeah. Okay. Um, what did you guys think of this scene? <clears throat> Anybody, um, anytime. <laughs> well, I, I, I like it because so the the gospels tell us that that she had this a dream the night before. That's what she says to Pilate, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I like that they're starting this sooner because I mean, so so Catholic tradition is that she converts becomes a saint. Um, some tradition, not near as wide, even say that she converts Pilate. Um, but she herself, Procula, is venerated as a saint in the Eastern Rites on October 27th. So I think it's very reasonable that she would have had 
had visions sooner than just probably the night before, right? I think that's reasonable. I don't like them either, Enoch. <laughs> my my yeah. nose is stuffy already. I'm telling you. Yeah, while this, while this, uh, while this dream that she had in this episode may have not have been the night before, uh, like in scripture. I think it. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that these dreams could have been building up, um, up to that. You know, because right. at this point she probably doesn't realize that it's about you know yeah. this preacher and and uh in Capernaum. She you know she just gets this this vision and then wakes up to her husband crucifying people. Well, yeah, because it doesn't even seem like uh Pilate even knows who Jesus is at this point. Because when Atticus comes to talk to him, he's talking about this this preacher that's causing a disturbance. So yeah. Uh, Robbie, do you have any opinions on this first scene? Uh, yeah. I'm with you. It did remind me, actually, I thought it was like a clip from the passion for a second with the snake coming up and, uh, you know, right. So, uh, I mean, I thought that was, that was done well. Um, you know, Claudia, uh, you know, questioning or talking to, to pilot and, you know, they have, they have a nice little dialogue, you know, I, I, I can, I could, you know, being an actor myself, I can, I look for little things like that, you know, this chemistry and stuff. So they had. Oh, they so had you're get, you're going into scene two now, where where okay, so scene two now, I, I my note says soy boy pilot and his non-binary <laughs> wife Claudia have a conversation. <laughs> this is this is these are the notes that I wrote. Okay, so, <laughs> literally. Okay. See, rocking the right. hairstyle. Yeah. So the first scene is just the Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then and then she wakes yeah. up out of out of nowhere. And and I I am not crazy about the the flamboyant uh, English accent uh, pilot. Like I I think I would have played a better pilot than this guy. And his uh, short haired uh, like middle aged lesbian woman haircut. I, I'm not a fan <laughs> of either, but. We'll go with it. Too. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if turning Punch's Palette into a straight up villain seems that's where they're headed. I don't uh, know I'll, if I agree with that because they're making Pilot out to be very um, politically minded, and yeah. the way he's talking with um, Atticus is that Atticus? I always forget. Yeah, it's Atticus. Yeah, yeah it's Atticus. You know, they. It seems like he's he's definitely not like uh, what's the procurator's name. Uh, oh, oh uh, uh, not I had that. Uh, got, not got uh, Quintus. Quintus. No, Lex Luthor, right? I mean, oh, 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 yeah, Quintus. Quintus. Yeah, Quintus. Lex Luthor. That 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 seems like a straight up villain to me. Yeah. Whereas it seems like um, Pilate and Atticus care more than just about power or wealth necessarily. They seem to have some sense of something deeper, even if it's just like Greek philosophy. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if they're making him to be a straight up villain. I, I, I felt like I'll they say, almost made. Oh, go ahead, Jason. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, because when you look at the conversation between Atticus and uh, Pilate, I mean, you get the sense, obviously, that Pilate is not bashful about putting people to death, but he doesn't he doesn't necessarily want to do it in this situation because he doesn't see how it benefits him or Rome. Right. So 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 you get that kind of sense. And this is what Anthony got mad at me about in the green room. The portrayal of um, of Pilate is nothing like I've ever envisioned. Um, I've envis- envisioned uh, more rough and tough, I guess, if you want to say in comparison to the soy boy that Anthony said, <laughs> Pilate. But ironically enough, pi- the, the portrayal of Pilate 
is pretty much how I've always envisioned Nero being in real life. Emperor See, Nero. So yeah, because he was young Nero, and he probably was a little flamboyant, right? Like yeah. Nero, Nero was probably partying it up. Where I almost yeah. felt like they made uh, uh, Pilate seem disinterested in ruling, and he's supposed to have been just too hard. Like he was just supposed to have treated uh, these regions so rough that uh, that the emperor is now angry with him about it and he almost seems like disinterested in being a ruler in my opinion yeah and you know once you've seen like many things about the passion by mel gibson that is how i've envisioned pilot pretty much my whole <laughs> life and i guess that kind of reinforced it so i was kind of shocked at first for lack of better terms when pilot was portrayed quite a bit differently in this episode but isn't this the danger we're talking about with portraying jesus a certain way like if you have a if you have this vision of pilot in your head like this is a danger with portraying a fictional version of Jesus, yeah, or or any I mean, long established story, right? I mean, yeah. And yeah. one thing is hard is that you know if you are a, a writer and you know you got your director and you know you got this idea for you know a show or a movie, right? And there's no backstory to it, and you're just completely creating the characters out of out of thin air, right? But you actually have source material here to to lean on, right? You get a sense of who who Jesus is, right? We get a sense of his personality. We get a sense of who the God man is. And you can draw from what scripture has has put out there. And then you can, you know, maybe put a little filler in there. But sometimes, you you know, these directors can take too much of a artistic liberty just to, to throw some zany stuff out there. Yeah. So, look, I think I'm pretty sure um, Pilate his rule starts in like 26 AD, right? So this would have been around that time. This would have been early on in his rule. So like, if you read Eusebius's church history and you learn like, like Pilate, you hear about Pilate in Eusebius's church history. So he probably was a young guy. So I'm not even knocking. And I'm, I'm doing a little teasing right now because I'm trying to throw some jokes in, but I, I, I think almost the, the fact that they're challenging uh, that they're, I'm seeing a different version of Jesus is maybe breaking me out of the Robert Powell version a little bit, which might be good. So me, when I get to see our Lord, wow, I expected you to look more like Jim Caviezel. <laughs> but that's 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 what I'm trying to say. Like, so we saw, I saw Robert Powell, then I saw Jim Caviezel. Now I'm seeing, like, maybe it's a good thing that I'm getting broken out of whatever uh, box I've put Jesus in as characters over the years. Is that the Yule Brenner from uh, Cool Runnings? I couldn't tell you who Yule Brenner is. No, what? Oh, he's an old. Ag- I'm joking because you'll y'all remember. Oh, never mind. It's a, it's a, Yule Brenner is an old white actor, but did uh, he uh, they, betray like Pharaoh or something like that? I think he so. Was, as well. And the king and I. He was the king of Siam yeah. and the king and I. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really? Those are the things you lecture things- us about stuff we have to watch all the time, and you don't know the no, king. I, I, I just think. Oh, I thought- no, 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 no. I'm done. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> done with it. Out of here. I just thought it was funny that Jason was capable of controlling himself because he wanted to go on a rant so bad there. About what? <laughs> like he was about to go off on a tangent. He goes, ah, never mind, never mind. Don't worry, man. He's, well, no, he's just an I, old actor. I figured I figured Cool Runnings was not something to go on a rant about. I've seen Cool Runnings. I love that movie. Oh, good. It's a great movie. Good. I haven't seen it in a very long time, though. Yeah, um, all right, so let's move on. Let's go. All right, so now we have uh, Simon the Zealot. 
sharpens his knife. The other apostles are there. Simon, the zealot, reveals that the other zealots are looking for him. Um, so this is all the apostles sitting together. They see him sharpening his knife. And he's a... That's Ewan Brenner. That's Ewan Brenner. No. No, that's the... Uh, what, what's his name that wrote that book on uh, on how to save money with like 12 kids? Uh, what's his name? Our Frantiger? like the dude that played in the 36 chambers i can't wait to clip that and post it on twitter for rob <laughs> 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 yeah, of course rob it's rob Patsinger. who's the guy you know he wrote the book he's got 27 yes. kids <laughs> father rook's got it feel the rhythm feel the rhyme you know, what up? it's Bob Slick time. Cool runnings. Wow, you really love that movie, huh? I haven't seen I, it so long. I, I, I like it, man. I, I still remember. It's a good movie. <laughs> the Jamaican Bob Sled team. I, I, I still remember the lines from that. Three ninjas and uh, Major Pain. Three ninjas, dude. Yeah, oh, those are all good. That was my joint, too. Yeah, better than this show. A <laughs> lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Was there anything in this scene with Simon? Is that, I mean, he's really of just course. Uh, of course, course. course. <laughs> um, so the the scene with Simon sharpening his knife. I mean, I didn't think there was much depth to the scene no, that we well, went yeah, into. I was kind of confused why you even put it on the list, but go ahead. Well, I I because I watch the show and I break scene by scene down. So if there's something you guys see that I don't oh. that you want to bring up. Was that was uh, that where they mentioned like about the woman uh, that touched the hem of of uh, Christ from last and episode? She got hit? Yeah, did they talk about that during the sharpening of the? Because they a little bit. Like, oh, well, that was last episode. You're right. You're right. They did yeah. because they mentioned yeah. he can't. Jesus he, can't like he control got his power. The, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, like he got because I remember now. Yeah, because I didn't actually like that part because they. I didn't like that either. Well, yeah. It was exactly. like Jesus couldn't control his power. It was just right. taken yeah. from them. As if, as if that right. was gotta, the plan. We got to protect them, and yeah, we got to shank okay. somebody if they get too close to them because yeah. you can't. You're yeah, right. that's what that. Yeah, Anthony okay, so unintentionally put an important scene in here. Apparently, I just put every scene in. Jason, you're the one. You're the one knocking me. <laughs> so Angel's going back to the Capitol to protest, and uh, let's hope it doesn't turn into an insurrection, and we have to bail Angela out. I'm all for it at this point. Oh, we're canceled. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Um, all right. So now uh, Gaius goes to see Quintus, and uh, he tells him I, – I wrote yells. He tells him to break up Tent City. So Gaius is – all right. So, Rob, Robbie, if you – we've kind of seen this character Gaius being set up to be the centurion that is going to mm. be the centurion that says, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my servant shall be healed. He hasn't gotten there yet, but that that's the character. That's the character they're setting up. Uh, Quintus is like uh, the um, the Lex Luthor character Rob was talking about before. That was funny though. When yeah, that's right. When I forgot, I mean, I forgot that scene where Simon Peter was teaching Matthew like, to shank somebody. You just here. shake him like this. <laughs> <laughs> Simon teaching. Oh, that was was that yeah. this episode or last? Yeah, that was, yeah, that that was, was this episode. episode. This episode. You yeah. see. Uh, JC didn't want to talk about that scene. Well, that really was funny. He's like, you take a pen, you take a pen, and what you do is you just hold the pen. Nobody's gonna look at you. Just take his head and you just oh, like <laughs> you just jam the pen in his eye. <laughs> Listen, my favorite part of the show is Simon. By far, you relate like, to, of him. course, because you're the he same is, person. 
<laughs> I think he's funny. I think he's quick. He just he says had, what's on his mind. If you had gone to the gym and got cut up, you could have played Simon. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> if I just got a little bit more of a tan. <laughs> it spoke right, with see. a slightly less annoying accent. I just have to learn to talk with a terrible accent like this, and then I, I sound weird. I sound Russian. Now. <laughs> I was Russian. <laughs> I got <laughs> Russian. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. my Russian accent. I can do like this, and I don't know what to tell you people. Um, the all machine. right, so. All right, so Mother, then and Mother Russia pen stab you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so let's reach a view show ever. Yeah, we're all over the place. So, all right, so now you get uh, uh, Andrew and Philip and Judas are oh, sleeping. Oh, and hold on, oh, hold on. All right, before the whole scene with uh, Gaius, besides the, the like the scene about John the Baptist later we'll get to this scene upset me more than any, any other one in this episode. And it's there you go. for a really Let's nerdy it. reason. Let's hear it. <laughs> they, they claim uh Gaius is Germanic. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't have a mustache. The Germans always wore mustaches. How dare like every Jenkins. Roman, every Roman historian that writes about Germanic people mentions a mustache, even Germans who become Roman. All right, Just so saying, the Germanic people, did they even exist at this point in time? Yeah, yeah. The, they they were first encountered like the Kimbri and such in like 100 BC. They had to have Gaius Marius defeat them um, up in the Alps. So, yeah, it, I mean, this was uh, 100, 100 years before mm-hmm. or before that, before this. Did they had mustaches? So, yes, it was kind of a religious thing. They always kept their mustaches, even when they became like Roman citizens and were in the Senate and stuff like that. They always had mustaches. They also always were allowed to worship their gods too, like uh, like uh, Woden and Donar. So Gaius talking about worshiping the Roman gods is really inaccurate as well too, because the Romans allowed you to keep your gods as long as yeah. you, you know, in, in this time period, as long as you paid you know homage to Caesar. Yeah, so, the, the, the one of the coolest things about what look people don't realize this that the reason the Western Church evangelizes the world is because the Roman mind is able to enculturate properly, right? So when when Rome takes over Greece, they allow Greeks to remain Greek. Like they don't they don't force them to abandon their culture and become Roman like so now when you have the church in the east and the church in the west, the church in the east has this amazing philosophical mind. So you have like Aristotle and things like that, but they're not good at enculturation. So when they go to take over something, they want to force people to become Greek. So it winds up being the church in the West, the Roman mind, the Latin mind, which is able to enculturate things. And, and they have a more, uh, the, the, the mind it's not, they don't have the mysticism of the East, but they, but they wind up being able to, take these different cultures in and incorporate them. And that's why you have all these different rites in, in the Roman church. Well, and, and I was going to ask Rob and other people in the chat have mentioned it. Well, cat named mouse and stuff. I mean, I mean, to, to your point, what would your response be that? Okay. Maybe he is Germanic, but he's trying to fit in uh, and trying to Romanize himself. So of course he would act like the people around him. I would, I mean, I would say, is it, is it possible? Maybe he, you know, comes from German stock, but was raised by Roman parents, something like that. Yeah, sure. But but, but, I, but, I think, but I mean, but even if he wasn't, I mean, wouldn't you say it's feasible for him to say, okay, I'm going to 
become like the people around me because I don't want to be a distinct person. Yeah. I mean, sure. It's feasible, but I mean, every, every single Rome in history, we have points to the opposite. I'm just, I just want to attack your happiness. Jason, what you're doing is mistaking Rob trying to show off his knowledge of history for an actual point. He was just <laughs> trying to show off that he knows so much about even the German people. That was all that was. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Right. I learned about this within the last week. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So, Leander sneaks in on Andrew, Philip, and Judas to tell them that they caused the problem on their mission, which, what did they say? It was Decapolis Decapo- or Decapolis or something? Decapolis. The, 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 yeah. It's yeah. 10 Greek cities in uh, what's now Jordan. Okay. So, the, yeah. The, something happened on their mission that it was causing some kind of an uprising. They need a better them- system. That's what I learned from that scene. They need a they need what? Better Burglar security system. system. Yeah. <laughs> Put some cameras well, you know, in there. Or I mean, why, half I mean, why not? Part? I mean, why not? We're modernizing a lot of it. Just put some cameras in the house and <laughs> alarms, deadbolts. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to be the one for this show, Jason. So, I am. Robbie, just, been, I can make jokes about it. We've been teasing them because a lot of the, the language is like very modern sayings right so this episode it wasn't so bad but like <laughs> last episode there was a scene where uh like one of the women goes what in israel instead of like what what in heaven you know like they're trying to give like this modern parlance when they when they talk and it's it's a little it's it, it, it can be a little off-putting that's all so um rob you're going way easier than i thought you were this episode the way you built it up you made it sound way like you were Oh, I'm just building hype. I'm lo- I learned from you. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we haven't gotten to the really just scene. Um, so then this next scene is Mary and Rama argue a little bit, and Mary finally learns some of Rama's past. So the thing is, um, this has kind of been like a long time coming. These two have been like bickering the whole season. And we had a couple uh, a couple episodes ago, you had Mary accusing Rama of animism and holding on to her paganism. And you can see there's like a little bit of jealousy there from Mary going on with her. And finally, when Mary learns what happened with Rama's past, she kind of lets her guard down. And these two have like a little bit of a moment. You know, do you mind if I use this scene to illustrate uh, kind of one of my overall points I have about the show in general right now? Sure. Okay, so I'm gonna share a, um, I'm gonna share a comment. The chosen actually left uh, on our last episode here. Let me see if I can. Oh, is that the one I'm looking for? Oh, Tamar, not Rima. Rima is the one that's gonna marry Thomas. You're right. All right, I apologize, Cat Name Mouse. It's Tamar. So. So the, the, the chosen team themselves says that uh, um, why the answer to why they add characters or storylines that are disconnected from scripture, such as this, this uh, scene that we're talking about right now, is as simple as the same reason anyone creates storylines for a TV show. Sometimes we're working directly towards a Bible story. Sometimes we're working indirectly towards a Bible story and coming up with the plausible or compelling backstory that isn't supposed to be scripture. And sometimes we're just creating storylines because this is a TV drama set in the first century. That's my biggest problem with the show is that it's clear from both the 
the show itself and from their own words, that this isn't honestly a portrayal of the gospel or of Jesus Christ or of the apostles. It's a poorly made drama set in the first century of the Near East. And that's all it is. And they're just using the gospel as like the the source to create their little storylines that they really care about. That's what I disagree. I disagree. I can't agree with that statement. I mean, Anthony, I understand what you're Anthony, saying. But... Anthony just thinks it's a big altar call. Which they got mad at me for saying. Yeah, I know. Yep. They got mad at me for saying that. They're like, the show is not an altar call. But I, but that's crazy to, to think I'm off on that because. Well, I don't necessarily agree with you on it. but Well, not an altar call, but they're trying to get you to connect with these characters. You can see it in some of the promos for the show. So when you go into the app, there was a girl who was um maybe Yeah, but how is to- connecting to the characters cuz every movie or show pretty much wants you to do that. How is that an altar call? What is an altar call? An altar call is trying to get somebody to well, not get somebody but offering somebody to give your life to Jesus Christ, right? So when you identify with a character in this show, and you see a moment where they have a touching experience between that character and Jesus. You see yourself in that person and you and you see how Jesus relates to that person. And you want to give your heart to Jesus and follow him as your personal Lord and Savior. They don't, maybe they're not saying outright that's yeah, what they're but, doing. Yeah, but, but that's, that's kind of but, what they're but, going but, for. But up to the last part, I mean, a lot of that can also just be evangelization of ourselves, you know, when we're just teaching sure making it relatable i mean you have to make it relatable to people to convert them otherwise they're here's what i'll say they're not going to my my and okay so my first conversion which was not catholic it was just i'm listening hang on one second generic christianity it was listening to protestant radio i was uh maybe partaking in more uh substances than i should have and I was driving home from Atlantic City. I just lost a ton of money. <laughs> I was just was your wife about to have a baby. No, this is way before that. <laughs> this is way before that. <clears throat> and I'm driving home, and I just come across Protestant radio, and there's a guy on the radio telling a story of substance abuse, gambling addiction, and all these things, and how he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And in that moment, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and asked him to be my personal Lord and Savior. I mean, this this is an experience I have because I related to this guy's story. And I just think that is very similar to what you're seeing in this show. Yeah, but yeah, no, no, I understand what you're saying. I just I just don't think that that's their goal necessarily. Um, But, you know, your experience, of course, that's. A lot of people do that, and it really is just a fundamental misunderstanding of what conversion is. Well, then what's the point in making Matthew a quirky guy that might be on the the autism spectrum? Well, it's like I said in in the very beginning. I think they're trying to humanize and make the apostles more relatable because like we talked at the beginning of the show, we tend to have this idea of the apostles of being these perfectly drop human beings who were who were above reproach when in reality they had the, the the fallen nature that we did, right? So can you guys handle one scene because she's hundred percent right? I have to go take Claritin real quick because the cat has me all stuffed up. So why don't you guys talk about the next scene? The next scene oh, unless we'll you just, want to continue with, with we'll this just one. Wait, we'll wait inside. Just give us the next scene. Yeah. The next Let's scene is uh uh we already kind of talked about that. So we'll go uh okay uh, actually you know what I want to stick around for this one. So all right Rayma and Tamar I'm sorry, Mary and Tamar, uh, Zebedee comes in and they start discussing something about money. And it looked like Mary was going up to check for the money. Yeah. And there was 
It looked like maybe they were building yeah. up a story that maybe Judas is messing with the money already, right? Well, mm-hmm. no, it was like a tassel or a, a tassel. Uh, Anthony, go. We'll talk. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. at first, it, well, she was like digging through stuff and seemed to not be able to find stuff. But then she did find something, and I have no idea what it was. Yeah, I don't understand the point of that. I mean, I know we'll find out later, but I I wasn't sure what the point of it was. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I didn't see the second season, so I don't know if it's something that was in there that I missed. Not that I remember, no. Uh, just bunny hopping backwards real quick. Um, yep. With Tamar, right? Obviously, she's a black woman, okay? And uh, talking with, with Mary Magdalene. For me, it was a connection there for me with Tamar because this is what, you know, we've discussed before a little bit on some other shows. I can identify and relate to Tamar, right? Being black and being in, in the Catholic church, right? How Tamar and, and this and this, this uh, tension she's having with, with Mary Magdalene as uh, being on the outside looking in. So I can, I can get that and that I'm expected to change my my, you know, what I wear, how I dress, you know, how I talk and stuff like that to fit a preconceived notion of what um, a Catholic should be. You see what I'm saying? And and this is I, this is something that's that's real big that I think that they, they kind of touched on a little bit. Do you think so it's he, maybe a little disingenuous, though, to to use skin color to approach modern racial understandings during a time that had no such racial No, because I don't think it's about race so much as it is a, a different culture. I think that that's what Robbie's saying. Like, this isn't about skin color so much, right? Like, No, no, not Robbie so much not, about skin color. The skin color is just a, the culturally of, right. The cultural... Of course. Part. But her... Yeah, exactly. Robbie and I have had this conversation before where it's like... Dude, like I'll never be the guy with the cardigan, or I mean, whatever, whatever you do, trads wear, or the, or smoking the cigars and the pot. Like, I, it's just not but me. You have. Like, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, it's, a, it's a LARP when I do it. It's not yeah. me, right? Like, I'm I'm always gonna be the dumb guinea from New York, and it's, it's, just, like, it's just I'm not gonna it's ever not be that guy. So it's like yeah. I, I kind of get. Pam, Pam thinks this is what uh, Mary Magdalene found. Actually, that's oh. a very good point because it is okay, the same color and everything. Yeah. Oh, I totally oh, okay. saw this scene differently, but I, I just want to finish. For, what, like for Robbie, like, okay, so Robbie posted a comment on Twitter the other day that really struck me because he said, uh, like, a lot, of, a lot of people fetishize the 50s, right? And it's like, you, you hear people go, oh, we need to go back to the 50s. We need to go back to the 50s. And, and it really is an ignorant comment to, to for us to say, in the context of when Robbie hears that, he's like, do you know what my, what we were dealing with in the 50s? It like, depends we on getting... who you are, how you view that time period. Yeah. Right. But and and the thing is, I mean, you're, you're talking about he told the story of his grandmother, what she was dealing with. I mean, they were getting fire hosed and getting, having dogs sicked on them and things like that. Now, that yeah. was going on in the culture. Right. And that's something that I could never understand. I don't have that history. No, that's not something that I could actually relate to. I don't. It's it's just not something I could grasp. So grasp. So I think that's kind of where Robbie's coming from with this whole Tamar thing, where she's from a totally. I mean, this this girl told the story of how her whole village was burned and her parents were killed. Now the 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 point I think people make with that fifties thing, Robbie, is um, I think even. Uh, it has to do with family unity, right? So no matter what's going on in the culture, this is pre-sexual revolution. So 
you're talking about think about how many families now are children born out of wedlock, right? Yeah. And but even that's what I'm saying. even Those, even black families yeah. were intact in the fifties. I mean it's, it's yeah, yes. However, yeah. those same things were still going on. Cats were still right. rocking a wife in the jaw. Uh, there was drunk dads. There was, you know, the same yeah. stuff we got going yeah, on. Yeah, we fetishize it. It was just, it was just, it was just present. Just because you came home in a leave it to beaver, you know, suit and tie, they think, oh, that's a good dad. That's a good. But then you see a guy, maybe he's sagging a little bit. Maybe he, he don't look, but that's a damn good father. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We got to break our understanding of what. And I'm sorry, guys, I got to throw this out here. It's white culture that has portrayed this type of uh, whimsical, uh, crazy understanding of what an American is, right? It's a guy who comes, you know, we got to, I ain't wearing no damn suit every day, okay? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not either, bro. You know <laughs> I'm not either. So stop telling me I got to wear a suit every day to be a good Catholic. So I'm tired right. of people talk. Well, I'm no, not, bro, I'm on board with you. I, I got to do this, man. I got to do this. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah got I, it. Seeing, and it's people, it's people I know, too. It's people I yeah, know. Yeah, and people you like. This. Bro, people come out talking about, I'm not going to hire somebody if I know they smoke weed. Dude, there's cats out here drinking fifths of, of Crown Royal every day and stuff like that, going home and beating on their wife. And I know plenty of cats who smoke weed that do everything for their family, get up early in the morning, go work hard, you know, hard as as, as a slave to, to provide for their family. We got to break. That's that suburban white mindset that's got to stop. I'm not saying go out here and, and, and smoke pounds of weed no, and be high and all that. I'm not saying that. But there's people who legitimately use that stuff, man. And rather not turn to pharmaceutical drugs and stuff like that that actually have success with this. Multiple that will patients, kill you and patients. create a di- highly addiction. Highly addiction. Hey, Robbie, yeah. I, so the, so my, my yeah. point, yeah. my yeah. point when you when you wrote that, like this is our next off the rails episode. Like this is next week. This is what we're doing next week. Well, it's it's funny because when we were in Steubenville, me and uh, I don't know if you remember Robbie, but we talked about it too because we're both like, yeah. man, everybody like, especially all these these super duper trads on Twitter who are telling you you're not trad if you don't do X, Y, and Z, if yeah, you don't yeah, dress this yeah. way, if you don't talk this way, if you don't like. There's no room for diversity within some people in the trad community, and I think going back to to the '50s comment, I think that every generation romanticizes a previous generation that actually didn't exist mm-hmm. right it's it, it, it's just a, a fictional time in the past that a lot of the truths of that time period are forgotten in order to build up well we need to get back to this we'll get back to what exactly yeah, yeah right uh, exactly. I, 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 robbie this is a this is gonna be an awesome off the rails episode we're gonna do it next week because oh, yeah. i'm yeah. i don't like the gimmick the gimmicky aspect of traditional catholicism i love the faith right we all love the faith like we we, we believe the traditional faith but there's a gimmicky side to it that it's like i, I don't know i'm sorry man i i i can't do it like i don't know i can't do it uh, uh, yeah. like, me, i mean i'm yeah, wearing shorts yeah. in the I summer i'm not <laughs> me and, me yeah and i know we, we gotta we gotta yeah we gotta have that conversation because it's a yeah. lot of you know i i'm trying to reach i'm trying to reach other you know people that's that's outside of the catholic church man and I want to bring them home. I want to bring them to, to you know, but if they come in and they see in all of this type of stuff, man, they're going to be like, uh, you know, what, what you trying to bring me into, bro? 
you know, and so uh, and I, and again, I'm not disparaging. You know, I I get it because I, I again I was raised by my great grandmother, a, a woman who was born in the, in 1929. Okay, so she came up through all of that, and she educated me on all of that. And this was a faithful Catholic woman. Okay, even when the church wasn't favorable to black people, that's you see what I'm saying. You see where I'm getting at, right? I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there needs to be a conversation that needs to be had in the church and this healing needs to take place because yeah. there is this Veronica, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tamar and Mary Magdalene kind of divide that's 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 kind of within the church. They bring it and, back to the chosen yeah. brother. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote yeah. it right back in. He's not, that's a good broadcaster right there. He wrote it right back in you because know, there really is. So you see this division between the two of them where Mary just does not understand this thing with Tamar. She's just like, you just, everything just comes easy to you and easy to you. And, and maybe there's an element of, of white culture going on right now where we're like, Oh, well, yeah, if you're black, you could get into this and everybody, no, dude, there's things that we don't understand. And I think maybe, maybe the chosen did a good job with this episode showing that there's this dynamic there. Um, I've been, I've been really happy with the way they, uh, the, the relationship between Simon and Eden. Um, so we're going to wind up getting to that if that's the end of the episode, but Robbie hasn't been here for those episodes. I think they have such a great, uh, uh, portray. Look, this is not a, a, a first century marriage. It is a modern marriage they're portraying, but I relate to it. The arguments that the husbands and wives are having and things like Maybe that. Maybe that's so why you think this is that. an altar call. Cause you're like, I relate so much. <laughs> and, and also the story I told you, right. With yeah, like, yeah. it seems like that, that they're trying to, uh, get you to identify with a character and see that person's interaction with Jesus so that, I mean, I'm not saying that's all they're doing. I just think yeah. that's an aspect of I'm it. Just, so. I'm just a mess. And I, and actually for a while, I've been wanting to do a, an episode on like least trad opinions within the church. I need to get Robbie on the show with me because I think we have a few similar opinions yeah. at least i think it would make a really good episode well i think all of us i think the reason our crew gets along is because we're not we're not like the we're not like the guys that are <laughs> doing it like that like, right dude like we're, right. we're we're way more <laughs> i don't know like we're very traditional in our faith we're more realistic we're not, in our faith let's yeah, just put it like, like that we're not we're not buying into the whole like I have to be this present I I don't, I don't I'm not all about like how you present you know there's, like I, I, there's, I'm there's me. traditionally Catholic and then there's being a traditionalist and they're two different things yeah you know speaking yeah, of, speaking of which there was a point and I text you two last night there was a point and I can't remember yeah, what it was PM. yeah well twelve Anthony's um. <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, one of these scenes they mentioned that Jesus doesn't care about reputation. And I and remember I text y'all and I said, I actually don't like that comment because I think it uh, it there has to be distinctions made in that. Right. Because obviously Jesus didn't care about worldly uh, uh favors and didn't care about worldly worldly prestige and stuff like that but your reputation also does matter you know in the sense of how are you living your life and presenting the gospel to people so people will yeah, say i don't think they, they meant it that way no, i don't no, think i think they meant no, like no. jesus was not concerned people with human say, opinion 
No, but people say this all the time. People will say Jesus does not care about reputation, does not care about X, they Y, use and it to Z. Excuse who, exactly. That's what I'm getting at to justify something they said or did or how they act or whatever. And I really don't like, I don't know if they were going for that, but I don't like that blanket statement of, well, Jesus doesn't care about reputation. Well, you you can't say that without distinctions. Yeah, Margo Margo's a modernist. Um, <laughs> we already <can> do that. <laughs> probably, probably wears jeans to the North Dakota. Once again, Margo, I'm making a comment. Anthony's looking at just looking at the freaking chat. Never fail. Reputation. I heard the whole thing. I get it. Not, not without distinction. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna repeat it again. I heard you. I heard you. Actually, um, actually, I'm listen, gonna send you a text about it at midnight tonight. Well, I will kill you because you do this <laughs> to me every time. Um, I will. I want to get to. Uh, okay, so now here we're getting. We're building up to the um, to the part where the the main event. Okay, so now Simon questions John's disciples. Uh, uh, Simon the Zealot is confronted by the men seeking him. All right, so what's going on now is uh, John's disciples come. And they want to speak to Jesus. So they come and uh, I think it's Philip and John come to come to Simon. And they're like, John's disciples are here. They want to speak to Jesus. Simon, make sure you mean, that they uh, are. Who- you mean Phil and Johnny? And then Simon the Zealot has these, these two men confront him. And these two men confront him. And he's. I thought it was a really cool scene because he goes and he goes, you know what? He drops his knife and he goes, I have bet my life that he is the Messiah. And he, he just, no, take, he didn't have his knife. I don't think, I think he was showing that he didn't even go. Yeah, he was he wasn't even wearing his knife. He went and he said, I have bet my life on this. And I, and it's just like a display of just putting your total faith in Christ. Like, look, yeah. What happens happens. I believe he is who he says he is. I I'm just putting my faith totally in him. I thought it was a really cool scene. I know I know Rob probably going to pick it apart, but no, that was one of the better scenes. Okay, what about you, uh, just uh, Jason? No, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I, I mean, I don't have anything to add to it. I just, I mean, yeah, you just bet his life, and he was willing to die at that point. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that's the faith and hope that we all should have. Exactly. He was willing to suffer martyrdom, right? Robbie, you go, you you got the same same riff from that, right? Like the the same feeling yep. from that, right? Yeah. Same, same riff. <clears throat> and then so now a crowd starts forming around Jesus. He's healing people and John's disciples come over. After Jesus healed, look, a lot of the times we think that Jesus only healed the paralytic or the blind man. You got to realize there there are if you read the gospels carefully, he will spend time like healing hundreds of anybody that came to him he healed there are and and i actually wondered this because um he was uh like he took our pain upon him right do you think every time he heals somebody he suffers something or do you think it's it's without cost when he heals the paralytic or heals a blind person like I don't understand why it would cost him anything. Yeah. Like you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, do you think there's something no. physically he's, he's, he's dealing with, or you think it's just a total no. healing that, from that God? Would, that would, yeah. I would, I, I that would, think it's not, yeah, that would infer that he has limitations in some way, which no way. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Yeah, because yeah, I, I always wondered that. Because uh, I mean, if you read the not uh, not like powder where he was transferring the, the deer paint, you know the the paint. Right. Yeah. No. 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 But I I do wonder if like there was some something some cost to him every time he did a heal. I don't, I don't know if there was cost to him, but I mean, as we kind of get from scripture as well, I think just the human side of him at the end of the day, it was work. He was obviously tired. Um, um, from that season, season one, right? Like he came home, he could barely walk and yeah, 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 he did. Yeah. I mean, we know he got tired. We know he hungered. We know he thirsted. Um, but I don't think it like took something out of him per se. Okay, so now now we come. Timothy says here, I I would say, yeah, I I don't understand why it would cause him physical pain, but I think maybe experience whatever you know sin they had committed. Not saying that they were injured or sick because of their sin necessarily, but I I think dealing with people's sin definitely hurt him, you know, spiritually. Obviously, I mean, agony in the garden is you know the obvious example there, but. Okay, so now as this is happening, you have uh, Jesus heals everybody, and then and now Jesus goes. I feel like I should have clipped this part and played it. So now Jesus has uh, John's disciples, and they ask him, "Do you want me to you, find it? If you can, because I think it's important you, to actually show if this. You can uh, set it, the scene up for a minute or two. I'll find it. Yeah. So so John's disciples, at, they're they're like hesitant. They're like. You know, maybe we should talk in private. Jesus says, no, ask him, ask it. So they say, John sent us and he told us to ask you, are you the one we should be waiting for? Are you the one to, we've been waiting for or should we, wait, should we be waiting for another? And he answers him. He answers them and it wasn't identical to scripture. Um, uh, Rob, what was the actual... Uh, scripture verse, Jason. Do you remember? Was it Matthew eleven? Your part. Well, I'm sorry. What was the question? Was it Matthew eleven? I think it was. Uh, no, what? I actually read it. Yeah, it's Matthew eleven. Okay, so I'm going to actually read the scripture verse. Is what we're going to do. So, messengers from John the Baptist. When John heard in prison of the works of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to him with this question: Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in, re- in reply. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed are, blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. Now, this is the New American Bible. I don't like that version. I'm going to read the Dewey Rings. Um, okay, so the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead rise, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he that shall not be scandalized in me. And when they went their way, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what, what, what went you out into the desert to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what you went out to see, what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Behold, they, they that are clothed in soft garments are in the houses of kings. But what, I'm, actually, you know what? I'm going to stick with the new American Bible. It's hard to read out loud. So Reading uh, is his kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so wait. Uh, let's see. All right. 
then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal places. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there is no, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. For from the days of of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taken, taking it by force. All the prophets and the law prophesied up until the time of John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, the one who is to come. Whoever has ears to hear ought to hear. And then he actually goes into, he does this in the scene. He says, to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in marketplaces who call to one another. We played the flute for it. But he says Aesop's fable in the, in the show. He says, he says, we should compare this generation to Aesop's fable when the children sit in the marketplaces oh, oh, and call oh, to one right. another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, he is possessed by a demon. The son of man comes eating and drinking, and they say, look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is vindicated by her works. Repro uh, and then he goes into something else. So, Rob, did you find the scene? I think so. Okay, so, so let's see it. Let me, let's uh, share the screen here. Do you guys, does it get bigger if I do this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let me know if you guys can hear this once it starts playing. Master. Ah, yes. What do we have here? These are two of your cousin's disciples, Avner and Adam. Jesus of Nazareth? That name I respond to readily. Why not be returning to Nazareth in this lifetime? The baptizer has an urgent question for you. I recognize you from the day John introduced me to Andrew. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Yes. Good memory. Hmm. My cousin can get excited. Yeah, but you, you could just oh. leave it by the, behind the curtain. What does John want to know? We can hear you, Anthony. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Simon brought us in haste. This isn't appropriate here. We can talk later. Simon? I actually think now is the perfect time. <laughs> Who here has experienced John the Baptizer in some way? I know some of you rejected John. But you some think we'll of get you believe his message. If we don't talk over it. He has had a profound impact on so many uh, innocent Our faces are on screen, right? These are two of his disciples. Yeah. So let's I welcome we'll them. Fine. Doesn't matter. We only make two bucks off of it, anyways. <laughs> Some of you may also know that John is currently imprisoned by Herod in Machaerus. I think it would be instructive for us to hear what's on his mind in the midst of such challenge. It's a difficult question. It might be better privately. It's fine. This is healthy. He sent us to ask you if you are really the one who is to come. Or should we look for someone else? Say that last part again. Should we look for someone else? 
For those of you who could not hear, John the baptizer, my cousin, who has prepared the way for me, is now questioning if I'm the Messiah or if maybe we should keep waiting. Rob, pause it real quick. So we're going to read to you guys after this scene the commentary from the fathers. We have St. Jerome's commentary. So and, stick this uh, St. Gregory the Gate too. Yeah, so we have both of their commentary to say what the... Because you can see the show is implying that John doubted. And so, it gets worse. And it gets worse. So can, go ahead, continue on, Rob. John is getting impatient, yes? It's one of his quirks. He has been in prison a long time. Word reached our ears about what happened in Nazareth. That you said the spirit of the Lord is upon you to proclaim liberty to the captives. If you say you are here to free prisoners, then why does he remain? <coughs> he rightfully wonders why you would allow his entire ministry to be halted by an impostered king. Proclaiming liberty to the captives can mean more than just freeing inmates. There are many kinds of captivity that keep people. Is that what we're supposed to tell him? No, that's just for you. We heard our former comrades Andrew and Philip have gone to the Decapolis. Is that where you're planning to launch the revolution to overthrow Rome? I have something in mind for the Decapolis. And it will be revolutionary, but probably not in the way you're thinking. What are we supposed to report back? Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The mute speak. And the poor have the good news preached to them. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I will always be offended by blasphemy. As should all of you. So what happened to his daughter? You know this isn't blasphemy. I did not see what happened. Your supposed rabbi disrespected me as a holy man. Another sign of his evil spirit. And they also don't know any of the details that happened. He is hiding something. And I cannot stand here and allow you all to be deceived by his sorcery. Even if I'm the only one willing to protect you. Go. Relate to my cousin what you have seen and heard here today. Add to that the dead are raised as well. And tell John I love him. Think okay. we need to go more? Uh, well, he does go through the whole Aesop fable thing, but yeah, it's just, I, you don't have to play the rest of it. So the thing is, um, Pam is saying that Jesus actually did say, my cousin is impatient. Right? So Jesus recognizes that John is needle needling him because he is impatient. That doesn't mean that John is doubting that Jesus is the Messiah. So, but what the fathers say is something quite different. So Rob, you got the, the father's commentary? Yep. So the first one here is from St. Jerome. St. <clears throat> Jerome says, John asks this, not because he is ignorant, but to guide others who are ignorant and say to them, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he had heard the voice of the father saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Rather, it is the same sort of question as when the Savior asked where Lazarus was, was buried. The people only meant to show him the tomb. 
but he wanted them to be brought to faith and see the dead man return to life. Similarly, when John was about to be killed by Herod, he sent his disciples to Christ, intending that when they met him, the disciples would observe his appearance and powers and believe in him, and they would tell this to their teacher when he questioned them. So that's St. Jerome. So now let me ask you something, because I don't think John ever doubted Jesus was the Messiah, but is there an element of him being in prison, right? And he's in prison and he's like, we're waiting for the, we're waiting for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth and the captives will be set free. And I'm in prison. Is there any element of that going on? Or is John really just doing this as a presentation to the people? Well, I, I, think, I think we should take oh, ahead, Jesus at his own words when he says that, you know, St. John is the greatest of all born men, right? Of, of, mean, all, of, all, men, yeah. of all born of women, none is greater than John. Sanctified in the womb by, you know, by Jesus right. himself. And so I, if you I want to add like, that, oh, no, no go ahead, Robbie. No, I was going to say, if we go back to the scene where St. John baptizes our Lord in the, in the Jordan, right? St. John was there to see heaven open up and see the Holy Ghost come down and rest and remain and hear the voice of God the Father say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? So, yeah, St. John already knows that, that he's the Messiah. Well, and he Saint knew John from the already, womb. Yeah, and knew from the womb. Well, true, right. He knew from the womb. But he, no, nah, he already knew he was about to die. He, he wasn't trying to get out of prison. He, he knew that. So, that, you, that, oh, that, so, that so, so you think John knew... Uh, you think he knew he was going to be martyred? He must I increase. He I must would, decrease. I think he wouldn't have done what he did without knowing. At a minimum, at a minimum, we know he didn't fear death. At least, right. no, I, at I, least I, from I, what I, we from what we gather from yeah, especially the way he was him. preaching to yeah. to Herod, right? Like no telling fear. him right to his face. <laughs> <laughs> he really was fearless. Yeah. Um, but when you get when you get when you realize why Herod actually beheads him is because he's because he's such a filth, filthy, debauched person that he yeah. just wants to sleep with his 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 adulteresses, uh, his mistress's wow. daughter, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if, if, you know, if that scene doesn't happen. I mean, they really do show in scripture that Herod kind of liked John. Like it really, yeah, it yeah, really yeah, upset, yeah, yeah. it really upset him. Well, and they show that Herod, really well in Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, so. Should I read uh, Pope St. Gregory? Yeah, the yeah. Let's see. If, yeah. Let's see so Gregory. this one, this, uh, this tidbit, I actually like a little bit more. I think it goes a little deeper even. So Saint, uh, Pope St. Saint Gregory the Great says, It seems almost as if John did not know the one he had pointed out, as if he did not know whether he was the same person he had proclaimed by prophesying, by baptizing, by pointing him out. We can resolve this question more quickly if we reflect on the time and order of the events. For when John is standing beside the river Jordan, he declares that this <clears throat> You're not muted. Sorry, Rob. He declares no, that this is the Ready? Rudest person ever. I am. Sorry. <laughs> I probably got a glass of wine. He's a good wife. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Start over, Rob. Did you tell Nicole we could hear? No. Okay. Starting over. It seems yeah. almost as if, as if John did not know the one he had pointed out, as if he did not know whether he was the same person he had proclaimed by prophesying, by baptizing, by pointing him out. Uh, 
We can resolve this question more quickly if we reflect on the time and order the events. For when John is standing beside the river Jordan, he declares that this is the redeemer of the world. But when he has been thrown into jail, he asks whether they were to look for another or whether he had come. This is not because he doubts that he is the redeemer of the world. John now wants to know whether he who had personally come into the world would also descend personally into the court of hell. For John had preceded Christ into the world and announced him there. He was now dying and preceding him to the netherworld. This is the context in which he asked, Are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? If he had spoken more fully, he might have said, Since you thought it worthy of yourself to be born for humanity, say whether you will also think it is worthy of yourself to die for humanity. In this way, I, who have been the herald of your birth, will also be the herald of your death. I will announce your arrival in the netherworld as the one who is to come, just as I have already announced it on earth. Wow, that's deep. That's deep. So John actually isn't just making straight the paths of the way of the Lord on earth. He is going to go into the depths before Christ does, and he is going to go into limbo or the or the uh, sleep. Bosom what do they the call fathers. it? The, yes. So the fathers, um, yeah. The bosom of Abraham. The other thing, the other tricky mm-hmm. phrase that that uh, Jesus says here is. Um, no, of all of all men born of women, none is greater than John. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Now that's because John passes before the kingdom is inaugurated, right? So John yep. passes before the crucifixion. So John actually is the intermediary between the old and the new covenant. So John passes before the new covenant is instituted, and that's why the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Like John is this great saint, but he has to wait in the limbo of the fathers until Christ actually inaugurates the kingdom. So it's a, it's a pretty cool. Uh, you know what? You know, it's interesting. The next verse, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. Let, let, let me get the Dewey Rames version. Oh, um, it's just harder to read. Okay, well then I'll I'll just get I'll only, just for you, I don't know. only for you, Only for you. I know. <laughs> I had to. Anyway, I was on the this no, morning show no. the other morning, and I was reading Corinthians twelve, the Dewey Rains version. I'm like, wow, this is hard. Like I just <laughs> read it out loud. I was just like, oh no, what am I doing? It says it In says heaven, uh, you got remedial courses. So so that's Matthew eleven eleven. I, I just think it's interesting. But Matthew eleven twelve says going along with what you said, Anthony. It says. Uh, uh, where is it? And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Yeah, what what does he mean by that? You tell me. Well, should we look? Force. Yeah. What is yeah, that? Look, uh, Matthew, Matthew 11, verse 12. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. I'm sorry, I got to go verse by verse. I'm trying to see what the next. So are you are, those- and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Yeah. So, so for those of you who don't know, there's, um, well, there's a work called the Catena, and I believe the, that's done by St. Thomas Aquinas, who gathered um, the commentary of the fathers for every single verse, mm-hmm. at least in the Gospels, if not the whole New Testament. Um, but there's an app that takes its name from the Catena. It's called Catena. And you can literally... <laughs> 
click uh, every verse in in the Bible, and it will pull up whatever commentary is from that that exists for from any. Does of it them. have every verse or just the um, every the New Testament verse right? in the Bible? Now, if there's no commentary for a verse, that verse will be unclickable. But it it has comment, you know, commentary from all the fathers for every every verse that is that it exists for in the Bible. Before before you read it, I, Father Daniel, I I liked this scene too, like and and I liked the scene following it as well. So Rob's very critical of the show. I've kind of just accepted they have these accents. I'm not crazy about them, but I really do think some of the encounters that Jesus has with people are very moving and they're they're beautiful some of them i i know i know they kind of make jesus come off a certain way that that rob's not crazy about uh, jason you're you're kind of quiet on it a little bit but i i really do think some of the scenes with jesus are beautiful um, Rob, what's called the katina yeah did you have have you looked it up that verse yet yeah. uh rob because so, i got saint john chrysostom on here if you but go ahead. So th- this head. is from, and they do it, they order it based on uh, chronological. So mm-hmm. like the first one they have is for, from St. Hilary of Poitiers from AD 368. So um, St. Hilary says, what violence? People did not believe in John the Baptist. The works of Christ were held to be of no importance. His torment on the cross was a stumbling block. Until now, prophecy has been dormant, but now the law is fulfilled. Every prediction is finished. The spirit of Elijah is sent in advance through John's words. Christ is proclaimed to some and acknowledged by others. He is born for some and loved by others. The violent irony is that his own people rejected him while strangers accepted him. His own people speak ill of him while his enemies embrace him. The act of adoption offers an inheritance while the family rejects it. Sons refuse to accept their father's last will while the slaves of the household receive it. This is what is meant by the phrase, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Makes sense. Earlier expectations are being torn apart. Kind of like the, the new wineskins comment. <laughs> yeah. Um, the glory that was pledged to Israel by the patriarchs, which was announced by the prophets and which was offered by Christ, is now being seized and carried off by the Gentiles through their faith. Dude, that really makes it make a lot of sense, doesn't it now? Yeah, that's that's yeah. Um, real quick, Daniel's asking if it's a um, uh, Mormon production. It's not a Mormon production. The, the guy who actually d- is doing this, his father wrote the Left Behind series. Yeah. So Dallas Jenkins is the son of the guy. I don't know his real his first name, but uh, you know the guy who wrote the Left Behind series. Um, now there is a Mormon on the production team. There's a Catholic on the production team. There's a, they they have like a very wide theological panel that they discuss things with but what we're learning this season is that they are using a lot of catholic tradition when it comes to names like um uh just just these little things that they're taking from like eusebius's church history now these are all catholic uh uh catholic source material i mean it's it it was the church at that time so (laughs) you're um, being shamed anthony oh geesh what's who's geesh Jerry B. Jason. Why would you know that? Geesh. It, well, because it's one of the most popular 
Anyway, never mind. Do you think I do you think I read the Left <laughs> Behind series or something? Like, why would I know this? <laughs> I just know Kirk Cameron was involved with the terrible. Yeah, movie, right? I'm, listen, Kirk Cameron's yeah, the man. Yeah, in that series. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Uh, show what movie I watched as a kid. My mom made me watch it. Gave me nightmares. Was this, apparently from talking this, with you. The Seventh Sign with uh, what's her name? Oh, uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, no, no, not Bruce Willis. Not no, his wife. His mom. wife. Bruce Willis's wife uh, back then. Um, to me, more. Seventh sign. To, to me, more the movie. seventh sign, and it's a very Protestant movie about the end of the world, and it has mm. uh, has um, who's in it? Uh, who are the two witnesses at the end of time? Uh, come on, none of you guys know. Come on, two witnesses nope. at the end of time. <laughs> They never died. Come on. Elijah. 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 Oh, Elijah. Oh, Elijah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Now they have. Um, Sorry, I'm Enoch. pulling in Anthony. I'm ignoring you while you're talking, looking at something. Yeah, I didn't thank you guys. Either. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. So they have. Yeah, the, the seven signs are really. It gave me nightmares as a kid, like the whole ocean, all the fish die in the ocean and all these plagues come and stuff. <laughs> I remember being terrified as a child. My mother just would make us watch anything religious. She didn't care if it was Protestant, Catholic, not that she just... It could have been worse. Watch it. it could have made you watch a documentary on Medjugorje. You think I didn't? My parents went to teacher, Medjugorje. My father had his conversion. You don't, think I, you don't think I had to read books and watch documentaries on it? <laughs> Why do you the, think the I one, meant you did? I'm sure you did. The one thing I will say about my parents, um, especially my mom, I don't, I don't, my mom gave me such a deep respect for the Eucharist that I always knew that, um, like the Eucharist was so vitally important. Like she showed me Eucharistic miracles as a kid. My mother really did a great job of teaching the children, like, you do not receive communion in a state of mortal sin. She was really good about certain things that she taught us really well. Like the the, the big things that she thought really needed to be passed on, she did a great job. You know, you want to hear an interesting story. I don't know what's interesting to me. Might not be to y'all. But so I, I have a co-worker. We used to work together. He, he don't work with us no more. But we were in Saudi Arabia uh, on a job, and I, I had to go to Bahrain to go to Mass when I was overseas, right, in that part of the world. And uh, anyway, he's Catholic. He's a cradle Catholic. He decided to go to mass with me that day. He hadn't been in a long time. And then when it came time to receive communion, I mean, I know how the guy lives, right? I mean, he's not li living a clean life, shall we say. Yeah. So I was kind of interested. How is he going to uh, handle this? Handle this. Yeah. Well, he didn't receive communion and we were walking out and I just brought up a discussion about it. He goes, he, he basically like, I can't receive. I haven't been in confession in years, and I'm not worthy to receive right now. And I was like, you know what? Even though I know you're living in sin, I respect How that quite that? a bit. Yeah. 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 So I mentioned um, that to our president. Yeah. More <laughs> humble than our president. Everybody keep, keep quiet. Texting on stream. No, sorry. My wife is asking me something. Um this guy is the he is his humor is so brilliant and subtle knowing when it's appropriate to throw someone off the stream knowing when it'll drive me nuts if he puts me up first he's just 
I hope you guys. Pick I always up ask myself, myself how do All I? Right, uh, so let's, Let's get to this last scene. My, my my wife's getting impatient with me. She wants to know why I'm not sleeping yet. So, all right. So this, I really did like That's that whole time. thing. So then Jesus heals Barnaby and Shula. I thought this mm-hmm. was a beautiful scene too. Yeah, um, yeah, that was nice. Hold on, hold on. I want you to read your your note for this. I did this for you, guy. <laughs> so I, I want you, you to read your note out loud for everyone. I wrote, Jesus heals Barnaby and Shula. Very emotional, charismatic scene. I thought I'd start speaking in tongues. <laughs> you see, guys, Anthony puts on a face for this show. I was feeling That's the what spirit, he's like behind man. him. I was really feeling the spirit. This is a beautiful scene. Barnaby's jumping on his new leg. His leg's working. It was great. Now, they would, look, this woman, uh, I thought she was a really good actress. Um, and to see somebody uh, have their sight restored and they're able to see for the first time is always. Uh, have you ever seen any of those videos of like the little kids where they they're deaf, but they they are able to do surgery on their ears and they hear for the first time. They hear their mom's voice for the first yeah. time, and they're just so welled up with emotion that they start to cry. It's like some never of the really touching- see the whole video of those because I'm always just like bawling by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, look, there's, there's a couple of times when it's appropriate for men to cry. A video like that. This is Jason's face wondering what it looks like, what it feels like to cry. <laughs> uh, Jason, me not responding to one of your tweets is not appropriate time for you to cry. I mean, I'm I just... cry all the time. You mean so much to me when I don't <laughs> get a response. So look, a video, a video like the you know a deaf child hearing the first time, a video of a soldier coming home from war and surprising his daughter, and the daughter gets over emotional. Right? If you watch a series like. Um, uh, we might Band just of brothers. That in this show. You never know. Band of brothers and the old soldiers talking about like I mean I mean these are yeah. There's and times when get the baby down for- to sleep in like the first five minutes. That's or when you wake up and it's 8 a.m. Um, and you haven't had to wake up in the middle of the night and you start oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. so Mike, michael says the scene was beautiful had an odd pentecostal vibe well that's that's where my comic goes very charismatic vibe to it i was going to start speaking in tongues right do you think so, the, the pentecostal catholic and mormon on the production team like they all have to like bid to see what part of the show they get their uh, their theology in. They cast the Catholic, Catholic priest is like just 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 name her Claudia and I'm happy. All right. Yeah, they had their casting lots. Who gets seen? Fifteen. <laughs> so yeah, there are nice times. Nice and and they probably yeah. do some trades. They're like, look, this is a really good scene for Pentecostal. I'll trade you two of. I'll trade you scene fifteen and sixteen for scene twelve. <laughs> you you want to call her Veronica? We're gonna have to put some of the Book of Mormon in this scene. It's yeah. <laughs> a perfect example of it. What so, but look, the, this show has not Smith. brought me to this show has not brought me to tears yet, right? So, like, I haven't been brought to tears by this show, but I I was definitely hey, on the, the there might have been a little watery eyes Veronica, when that woman first saw Ver- Veronica being healed. Really, really yeah. gets in my feels. I I, I my eyes well done. Yeah, sometimes. So, and then the show ends off with my favorite couple. Hang on, hang on. We haven't we haven't talked about how Simon was uh, trying to brag about how good this soup she makes all the time is. Well, Well, I skipped that. (laughs) Okay, yeah, he was. 
over complimentary, really corny. Just pulling an Anthony Abate. Yeah, like going over. Was- it's amazing. It's amazing. It's just a little corny. But I want to address Peter and uh, Simon and Eden now. So what happens here is uh, usually I'm very hard on Eden, right? Nothing's going to change. I'm still going to be hard on Eden. Don't worry. But I'm a little, I was, there was, Simon really annoyed me this episode, right? So uh, Eden finally reveals to Simon that she has the miscarriage. And she finally comes out and says it, right? And he's he's flipping out. He's like, like, you expect me to read your mind? Like, you, I don't understand this. Now, while I'm watching this whole scene, I'm seeing how emotional Eden's getting. Now, this is a weird thing because Eden explains it as she was trying to not burden him. And that's why she kept it to herself. So she was trying to not unload on him. And Peter's mad at her. Which is real. Which is real. A a lot of women do that. Absolutely. Right. Now, Peter is a little upset that this is his child. He has a right to mourn his child. Right. Yeah. Now, my thing with Eden is she says she was trying to keep it from him so that he wouldn't have the burden, but she was being passive aggressive in every one of their encounters since he came home. Every one of them being passive aggressive, pretending she was okay, but you could tell there was just this thick tension in the air. My issue with Peter is as soon as she says that gentlemen, something that of that magnitude, I don't care if you're upset, you go and hold your wife. Like you go and you embrace your wife and you deal with your BS feelings later. You just do. You go and you put your arms around your wife and you let her weep because that is something that as men, you'll never grasp what a miscarriage does to a woman. You got to die to yourself. Yeah. You're never going to grasp what a miscarriage does to a woman. It's just not going to happen. Men is a very, uh, look, Rob's about to have a baby soon. Rob is going to be dad of the year to Maddie and Iggy, the two older ones, while Hope is just mommy and baby during that time. Mm -hmm. And until that baby recognizes the sound of Rob's voice, that's when dad connects with the little one, right? With the new infant. That's when dad really comes in. And it's like, Peter just should have shut up, embraced his wife. And instead what happens is, she goes and embraces him. Now, the, the only thing that saved this scene was was Simon saying, you're embracing me with all you got going. And like, I was so furious when she goes over and puts her arm around him. I was yelling at the TV. And when he looks up and he goes, you're like, you're embracing me with all that you went through. That was the only thing that salvaged this scene, because <clears throat> there's times where I mean, I'm very hard on Eden in this show because she thinks Peter should read her mind and all this stuff. Did but you this know is that? A- did you know that an infant can actually under, uh, recognize their dad's voice? Not in, in the, the same womb. connection as the mother, but it can recognize the voice in the womb. So when they're born, it recognizes the father's voice. If, yeah. as a father, you're spending time. You know, right, but it's in, not. Yeah. But as a father, connection. as a father, until that baby gets excited, like until you see the baby smile and laugh at your voice and you teasing them, is that like a playing with them? Like there's a totally different connection that happens for the dad between six months and 12 months where the mother, especially if you have older kids, right? Like you're, you come home from work, you're taking the, the toddlers from, from mom. Like you're, well, well you're you trying know, to, but 
I didn't always necessarily do the best job like like during this this time. But don't get me wrong, I held the babies, I loved them and all that. But I know that with my fifth, I from from the time it was born for a long time, I made a conscious decision to, to take my I shouldn't even say this. I'm gonna make fun of for this. Take my wife's the the wrap that they carried the baby in and do like skin to skin time with the baby when they're that young. And I've been amazed how much closer my this son has been attached to me than uh, than any of any of the other kids at this age because I think you know obviously you're never going to get the connection that the mother gets, but a father right. can that's, go through well, those efforts. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. Look, you guys want to see uh, behind the curtain a little? So um, in the first year of our relationship, Hope and I. Um, we were just dating, not married or anything like that. We, I was not part of the, not practicing. Hope was not Catholic yet, but, um, so Hope got, got pregnant in the first year of our, of our relationship. And she was a, uh, a nursing assistant at the time at a, at a nursing home more or less. And, um, some of the, the patients could be combative and, um, one of them, hit her and, and kind of threw her to the ground and she miscarried. I did not know that she was pregnant at the time and she, Hope felt so guilty uh, about the loss because of, you know, it happened at her job and she wondered, you know, what she could have done different, what she could have done better oh and all that sort of God. stuff that um, that uh, Hope didn't tell me for a year. And, um, and it de- you know, looking back, it definitely affected our relationship for that time. Um, of course, I couldn't and didn't know why. Um, and she was felt guilty and, and was also scared at how I would react, right? Um, reacted her being pregnant, us not being married, um, but also reacted her having lost the child while, um, while she was at her job. So um, I forget exactly what, what prompted it, but eventually she did tell me about a year later and... Uh, and I, I kind of forget how I reacted, but I am pretty sure. Like, like I mean, she it was a year later, and she was still devastated. It'll by, it'll like, affect that, us it as men, yesterday. right? It'll affect us as men. But but a woman that like it's just such a deeper thing for a woman when, when oh, it's a yeah. child. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a deeper yeah, carrying the baby in. It's a different yeah. I, it's a uh, deeper man, deeper so, connection. Yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry to hear that. No, I was gonna say sorry to hear that, Rob. To you and Hope, oh, thank you. Um, you know, prayers and and, and blessings. But on, on you that. know, I, and, in the yeah. end, it, it brought us a lot closer together. Once, once she saw how I reacted, and once we both recognized in each other that we both saw it as the loss of our our child, right, and not something lesser mm-hmm. than that. Um, mm-hmm. It brought us a, a lot closer together, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe in hindsight, us. you see God's hand in things, right? Like, so I, I said the other day, like sometimes in the, in the moments of suffering, we don't recognize God guiding us through those times. But sometimes after after we get through those times, when you look back, you see in hindsight that God was guiding you through the whole thing. Like I know Robbie just went through something unbelievably intense these past few months. And in the Still moment, going. Might be, <laughs> right. But, but Robbie, you're in much higher spirits than you were two weeks ago, even a month ago, a hundred percent. Like, I, I I mean, me and you've talked a little bit behind the scenes and it was like, I know like you're, I, I feel like you're you a little bit more than you were during the, during your lowest. Right. 
So even even still that you're going through it now, like I think when you look back and uh, when when this time kind of passes, you're going to see that God had His hand in it the whole time, and that He He always had a plan for you, and that no matter how dark it seems and how hard it gets, that God always had a had a had a plan throughout the entire thing. You know, for sure. Um, that's the thing, right? It's like as you're growing as as a Christian, God is going to stretch you out, right? He's going He's going to try to make your capacity to receive more of Him, but it's often going to involve a lot of suffering, right? A lot of uh, unknown uncertainty, uh, and yeah, you know, the devil's going to be in your ear. I mean, we know the, you know, I know Scripture. I, I know I know who who God is, but when when you're going through something. You're going to be tempted to say, God, where are you? Where are you? Where you at? Right. That you're not human if you don't. And I don't. And, and that's the that's the thing is I hear people be in my ear sometime and they say, oh, it's going to be all right. No, it may not be all right. You know what I'm saying? It, it may not be OK right now for a long time yeah. for, for whoever yeah. knows. I don't like being gaslit. I don't think anybody likes being gaslit and those platitudes. Right. And this scene right here. Oh, right, the platitudes, scene, man. The platitude yeah. <laughs> is hundred percent accurate. It's like, yeah, yeah. And this scene right here kind of opens that up. I would, I didn't really particularly care about it because it's like, you know, well, now it seems like that Saint Peter is going to be resenting being called by Christ, you know, because now he's like, well, um, I lost my baby because you got, you know, and well, maybe I don't know, maybe it's something to that, but. I mean, no, well, Kat, Rob had Kat a major Kat. issue with this because Rob said last week, he said, look, you're, they're putting in this event that seems like a, a life changing event in the life of St. Peter. That's not from scripture. And that like this is right. like one of those motivational events that like maybe like a life changing thing, you know. So Rob really did take a- issue with this last week that they were throwing something such a. But I think what, what the show is going for is Eden herself is struggling with being seen as Peter's wife, because all we know from scripture is Peter had a mother-in-law from tradition. We, we know that Peter had children from tradition, but the, the whole idea, I think what they're going for is that Eden sees her husband going off being this mission for the Messiah and she feels unseen. And I think that they're showing her being heartbroken. And I think what you're going to see is Christ does something for Eden at some point that's going to be like, Whoa, you know, it might even be this season. I think it might be by the end of the season. What do we have? Two episodes left? Yes. <laughs> Robbie, you want to you want to join us for the last two, brother? Hey, why not? Why not? I'm in. Uh, it that'd be great. So, so all right. So now, um, all right. I so think it would. I, I think it would be kind of awesome on the uh, on this miscarriage with Eden and and Saint Peter if somehow they they intertwine. If if you're right, Anthony, and Jesus does something for her, he basically reassures her you know, of her baby, um, either being in heaven or limbo. What, I just think who, he'll give her who, some whoever, kind of healing. No, but, I guarantee it's not going to be limbo with this. But show. yeah, no, but what, but what I'm getting at is I think it would be awesome if they sent an anti-abortion message through this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like showing, showing that this, this wasn't just that, you know, J- Jesus reaffirming to her, this just wasn't a, a, a random loss of a clump of cells. This was a, a yeah. human being, you know? Yeah. That'd be cool. Anyway. So, um, all right. So we have two episodes left. Robbie, I'm going to ask you to come back for them. And then also uh, next week. So uh, 
we're going to have to figure it out, but I want to do the next off the rails episode. And I want to get into that whole topic we talked about tonight. And I really want to get into, uh, you know, uh, the trad no nos and the differences in culture and, you know, even like how we are friends. I mean, I think it's an interesting story. Friends. Everybody asks that. How are we friends with Anthony? Yeah. (laughs) I I think, I think, all of us, it's a it's a strange group that that wound up coming together, and I think it shows how uh, you know being brothers in Christ is a is a it's a cool thing, man. Like we're, we're talking about four guys from totally different walks of life, totally different life experiences, and we have one thing in common, and that's Jesus Christ, right? You know, and- you know, I, I know I give Anthony a hard time; he gives me a hard time and stuff. But I was literally thinking just the other day, like how thankful I am that I decided to get on Twitter and start podcasting. If well, nothing else comes out of this, like I appreciate some great the friendships. Fri- I appreciate year, the some friendships, friendships more a year than, ago. Than we I ever we didn't even like, I had no idea Jason or Robbie existed. Yeah. I knew that there was some misogynists <laughs> on Twitter. But other than that, that you know, nah, like, man. I miss y'all, man. I want to see y'all in, in person. Again, man. yeah, we're doing it. We're going to do a meetup. Are you still um, in central Texas, Robbie? I am, uh, maybe for about two months. <laughs> oh, really? And will you go back to Detroit? Well, you still need to come God, to Houston. I don't know. I don't you, know. You talk- I, I might, I might be off somewhere on the road. He's, he's a fan, a yeah. Well, no, you need to come. I know you mentioned coming to Houston one time to me and Mark. Yes. And going to Bun B's Burgers. We need to do that. Fa- yes, Father yes, Daniel. Yes. No, I'll, I'll come down so, for wait, that. Wait, 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 Father Daniel, tune in tomorrow because this is one of my topics. What? Studio? This is, this no, is one you of my can't topics. do this to me. It's okay to do it to everyone it's, else and build the hype. It's not directly this, but it's it's intertwined with this. And I have what, some problems with, with what the word studio? Just just what is going on with Catholic media? Why what is going on? They, I have a lot of criticisms of oh, what yeah, everybody's yeah. doing out there yeah. and why we're yeah. not doing it together yeah. and why there's all this tension between the shows yes. and why we're yes. not acting as a unit together. We're not big yeah. enough to get do him. it. We need one of the bigger guys to do it. And we're gonna get into get this. Tomorrow. Hey, hey, I got I got an idea. Maybe y'all will disagree and maybe they will too. But for a season finale to the chosen of season three. Uh, Father Rook has a lot of uh, interesting comments. It'd be pretty cool to be on here. Can, oh, can I would Father love that. Give us an internet yeah. blessing. What's that? That would be hard to text. <laughs> yeah, please, Father. Well, at least pray for us. Um, yeah. And oh, like, like, come on, we should be doing something in person with Nick, our friend Nick here. I, I love the traditional Thomas. If you guys are not subscribed to the oh, traditional yeah. Thomas. He's one of my favorite people. I had an hour and a half conversation with him after the morning, meeting a Catholic morning show the other day. Such a great conversation. He is so, so awesome. So if you guys aren't subscribed to the traditional Thomist, oh, go right now and subscribe wait, to him. Wait, wait, wait. You're in Texas, Robbie and I too? go to the same parish, I believe. St. Mary's Cathedral? You know Nick Cavazos? He's on the morning. To, I'll, send, I'll send you a video of him after, Robbie. He's about Maybe he high. Looks like he's 20 or so. Yeah. Smart he, as anything, man. Does he live Smartest in Smartest guy I know. Size Rob. Uh, Let's see. Oh, he does. Oh. The book of Job can actually be hopeful at the end because God deserves all of our love, no matter what suffering we have. 
Today, some Protestant told me it was about the futility of good works. Oh, gosh. That's Easter Jesus. <laughs> East. All right, guys. I really do have to fly right. because I have – Oh, uh, look. Look, he does. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know oh, what? So, see, and, uh, see there, there's like four or five of us in Texas, and you want us to go all the way to Minnesota and New York? St. Mary's, Texas. No, down. I want – I want you guys to go to Pennsylvania to the Padre Pio uh, retreat, and then I think and I'll put everybody up at my uncle's house. So it'll be free room and board. It'll be free room and board. Me and Robbie have a little fun put together that we might be able oh, to yeah. play some plane tickets. People what are is Texas. going on here? Texas is where it's at, oh, baby. Post All right. Look me, uh, hit me, uh, I'll be at uh, 3.30 Latin Mass. Uh, I'm the only black guy. Next to how <laughs> 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 that's gonna be a short guy. That's gonna be a short. Robbie's Italian, he's not black. Oh, I am. All right. I, got, I got Italian blood in me, bro. I, I want if we ever I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I would do one of those like ancestry things, but I feel like the government will use that DNA. They to already me. have your DNA. They got your stuff, man. When you they get a frame, Might as well man. give it to China too. Who cares? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't confirm he's the only one. All right. So Nick knows you. Nick, okay. we'll have to do something together, man. You know. You're all going to be jealous when I get to hang out with Angela, Haley, and uh, Tim Flanders. I will be. I absolutely will be. But all right. So this. Yeah. This was, guys, almost two hours this episode. I got to get off. But um, this is a fun. Oh, guys. All right. So tomorrow night, me and Rob are doing something. Uh, Saturday, we have the Resurrection of the Body Show with Tim Flanders. Then next week, Robbie Brown will be back with us for the Chosen Review. And Thursday or Friday, we're going to do our next off. Oh, we'll do Friday off the rails, Robbie, if you're available. And oh, yeah. we'll get I'll into be, it. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll just have an, an all-out conversation on it. So, uh, Jason, you got anything on tra- Tradman? No, we're we're slacking quite a bit. Right They're now. in hiatus right now. So, so uh, uh, also, just so one thing, I'm going to try to put on our channel. We'll see how it works out. But our bishop oh. in the in my diocese in the diocese of Duluth is going to be making an announcement at the one TLM we have about the TLM. We don't know what it's going to be good, bad, status quo. We're not sure, um, but we're going to try to get as many people there as possible. So, two things: one, if you're within a couple of hours of Duluth, Minnesota. Please try to make it to St. Benedict's Church at 1 p.m. this Sunday for the TLM. The second thing, it is going to be our bishop's first time ever attending the TLM. Not not celebrating. It's going to be his first time attending. So wow. I'm going to try to try to get it, you know, the the mass, um, his experience of it, and the announcement uh, on camera, and try to get it uh, uploaded to our channel. So. Um, everybody, if you're not, go subscribe to Plotlines, Connor uh, McHugh's channel. Uh, also, go subscribe to Angela Erickson, Integrated with Angela, and check out her show, The Ascent on uh, Meaning of Catholic. Uh, she just did a show with Nick Cavazos. Um, that was really good. Rob, do we have anybody else we have to plug? Probably. Rob's terrible at this. So, All right, guys. We will see you guys tomorrow night. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. All right, good night, everyone. everyone. All right.